Oregon and Washington have been extended invitations to the Big Ten Conference. What does this mean for the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the sport and more? Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. I am not on a step melt. Thank you for watching on YouTube, the Fox Sports app, or listening wherever it is you get your podcast. As you can see, we are doing an emergency podcast for the second time in two weeks because, well, we got some more movement on this here thing called conference realignment. As I said at the start, the Big Ten has extended invitations to the University of Oregon and the University of Washington to become Big Ten members. And this is seismic news. Assuming that Oregon and Washington accept these invitations, that moves the Big Ten to a total of 18 teams, which is an enormous number, right? Especially for a Big Ten that was 14 teams just two years ago. It's going to add USC and UCLA next year. And we think if, again, Washington, Oregon accept that invitation, they will also join in 2024, which means four new members to this conference right as the college football playoff expands to 12 teams. This is why my big headline thought here is, is the Big Ten finally going to be able to best the SEC and end its reign of dominance? You'll know for the better part of 20 years, the SEC has been the standard for college football in as far as conferences, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, LSU, these teams have all been great. Auburn even snuck in there with a 2010 national championship on the back of the greatest college football player of all time. His name is Cam Newton. Fight me. But that's not what we're here to talk about, right? Does Oregon and Washington make the Big Ten better? And the answer is absolutely yes. As a matter of fact, since USC and UCLA decided to join the Big Ten, we'd all been openly asking the question of when... Does Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten because they are two of the better athletic programs left in that conference or were left in that conference if, of course, they accept that invitation? I'm going to keep saying if because at the time of this recording, we don't know if they're going to. We just assume that they might. And we're going to talk about if they do what that means. Now, it also means that in adding Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, you're adding the last two programs to earn an invitation to the college football playoff from the Pac-12. Wild, right? But that also tells you just how down USC had been over the years. And even after winning 11 games last year, they couldn't make it into the college football playoff because they couldn't do what, well, was necessary for the second time in as many weeks, beat Utah. Utah, the defending Pac-12 champion two times over. Still a Pac-12 member, but for how long? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. I want to stick with Oregon and Washington here and also point out, yeah, Oregon has been pretty doggone good for the better part of 20 years, too. They have really decided to carry their weight in this latest iteration of what we call the Pac-12. And matter of fact, this is really seismic because we're talking about 80 years of tradition in a conference that had basically featured eight or more teams since the 1940s onward, right? And since basically we have come to understand the Pac-10 since 1978, it has featured a core member of teams, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA being chief among them. And now they're no longer going to do that. Talk about that here in a bit. But I also want to point out here that Oregon and Washington can contend for Big Ten championships right away. They have shown themselves to be more than capable. We're talking about a 10-win team that beat 
North Carolina in a Holiday Bowl last year in Oregon after getting thumped by Georgia to open the season. They bounced back and really were in there talking about playing for a Pac-12 championship, if not getting back to the college football playoff for a little while till they ran into this team called Washington that won 11 games last year and looks every bit as good as they did last year, this year. Same thing is true of Oregon. These teams for me slot right where Penn State is. And if you watch the number one college football show, my thanks to Jim Harbaugh for once again pointing out that we do have the number one college football show. I love that. You'll see that I asked James Franklin at Penn State, hey man, how do you feel knowing that you got a really good football team? You want a Rose Bowl. But the two teams that finished the top of your division played in the college football playoff. And that's just kind of, it is what it is. Those are two of the best teams in the sport. But as all Big Ten fans will tell you, those two teams can't get past Alabama and Georgia. Mostly Georgia here of the last couple of years, because you'll remember that Michigan got ousted by Georgia in the college football playoff in 2021. And Ohio State got ousted by Georgia in the college football playoff in 2022. And Georgia is the two-time defending national champ. Even before that, we're talking about Ohio State playing against Alabama, trying to get it done. Can't actually get it done because that 2020 Alabama team was just ridiculous. Does Oregon make you sharper? Does Washington make you sharper? Yes. Are are they sharp enough to go and unseat Michigan and Ohio State? I don't think so. But we're going to have to see how the schedule plays out. Because, yeah, after all the work that was put into the Flex Protect Plus program, Billy Mays getting ready to sell me one hell of a sham wow. They're going to have to redo that all over again, right? And because you've got so many teams, I'm really interested to see where these games get played and who basically gets to air them. Because we've already talked about some new grounds going to be broken once UCLA and USC were going to join by themselves in that you're going to have Big Ten games played at night in November. It's cold in most Big Ten cities at night in November. Now you're adding two more West Coast teams that are going to get the full dose on that. Also think that we're going to get a really great game that nobody really has mentioned yet, which is Oregon and Ohio State. Now, Ohio State fans, I understand you feel some kind of way about me talking about Oregon and Ohio State because, yeah, I didn't give you a pass on losing to Oregon at Ohio State at the shoe. It is what it is on that one. They also left a duck in the middle of the O block, and that was the second in what was supposed to be a series of games. One of those got canceled because of the play. So you're going to get that game back on the schedule. If not in, in 2024, then 2025. And I'm excited about that. You also get Washington and Michigan back on the schedule. Another game that was supposed to be played that now has to get played. Good luck to you on that one, Washington, because Michigan feels like they're just running down people and running them over. Again, I'm going to refer you back to the number one college football show. Show up for Blake Corum jacket. Stay to find out what happened to his Camaro. And his thoughts on the NFL running backs contract situation currently. It's a really good podcast episode. We're very proud of it here. Now, moving a little bit deeper into what does this mean for the Big Ten? It also means that Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska got to get their stuff together quick, fast, and in a hurry. Quiet as it's kept, Minnesota's had one of its best runs in its history since P.J. Fleck has been the guy. But he's 0-6 against Iowa. Iowa has been in the Big Ten Championship last couple of years, right? Talking about them might be a quarterback away. Nebraska has always been a good program except for the last, well, 10, 12 years, basically since they joined the Big Ten. If they're going to get it figured out, they got to get it figured out this year because it's about to get much more nasty in that conference. And hopefully with 18 teams, I think you're talking about six. Let's see, Ohio State, Michigan. Oregon, Washington, all play in the college football playoff. 
Oregon has won a Pac-12 championship. We know that Ohio State and Michigan are always there. You're talking about maybe six, seven, eight teams that could play in a 12-team playoff. Again, do you have enough to overwhelm the SEC, even with its latest additions of Oklahoma and Texas? Very excited about this. We're also getting closer and closer to consolidation of the sport. I want to talk about that a bit later. But a little bit further down, the Big 12 said call 911, but not for me. This was two weeks ago when they added Colorado. Right? They added the 16th best television market in the country in Denver and the most marketable asset that the Pac-12 had left because of Coach Prime and all of the attention that he has brought to the Colorado Buffaloes that was really leading over into what was left of the Pac-12 at a time when, you know, following the news that Colorado was joining the Big 12, we had Dan Lanning, head coach of Oregon, say, yeah, I just wonder what Colorado has done to affect winning in this conference. Might be something that we ask about Oregon over the next 10 years, dog. Like, that one might come back to bite you. We'll see. But then you have also, earlier this week, news of Arizona holding a board of reach meetings, talking about regents meeting, talking about what the Pac-12 deal might be. And I think that's how we got here. It's not that the Big 12 went poaching. It's not even that the Big 10 went poaching. It's that the Pac-12 never had a TV deal to satisfy its partners. Full stop. The Big 12 outmaneuvered them, came up with a brilliant gambit in this chess match, and overwhelmed the Pac-12, caught them wrong-footed, and they never got back on the good foot. And the closer we came to college football season without the Pac-12 having a deal, the more edgy Pac-12 members were becoming. That's why Colorado decided to make the moves, why Arizona's talking through this deal, reportedly that is a streaming deal with Apple that is reliant on subscriptions. They're going to make more money if they add more subscriptions under that deal, which sounds a little bit like a pyramid scheme. And I would like to see all of my money paid up front and know what I can count on, just like every major university. This also means that the Pac-12 is basically down to, I think, it could be down to just a couple of scores, but it's down to four, right? After Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, we're talking about Arizona might be leaving for the Big 12. We don't know, right? They received an uh, invitation to the Big 12. And we don't know if Arizona State or Utah really want to leave the Pac-12. But we've heard reports from ESPN, from CBS, from Yahoo that, yeah, maybe that's in the cards too. So you could lose Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, possibly to the Big 12, as there was no reported interest for the Big 12 or Oregon and Washington to join up with each other. That was always going to be a Big Ten move. So you're talking about five of those schools this year, two of those schools last year, in what was once a 12-team conference that now, if I can do my math correctly here, and producer Tyler, tell me if the chat, if I'm, if I'm wrong here, we're down to six schools, maybe? So Washington State, Oregon State. We know that those two teams are still in the Pac-12, Cal, Stanford. But I'm even looking at Cal, Stanford going, those are very good academic schools, right? And if you are as prideful of your membership as one of the great academic institutions in all of, well, the academy in this country, you might want to add a university like Stanford. You might want to add a university like Cal Berkeley and just call it a swing, clean sweep and go from the Big Ten to the Big 20. And then you really are lording over the sport in a way that becomes really difficult to ignore, kind of like a gorilla sitting on your chest. You just can't get around that. Again, in the 12-team playoff system, 
we're talking about two conferences that could take up the majority of the spots. They won't because we got some automatic bids here. We got some at-large bids, and we know that the College Football Playoff Selection Committee would like to honor an undefeated group of five team. They've done it, right? We saw them do it with Cincinnati. Everybody saw Central Florida go undefeated and claim a national championship. Now we're in a space where you don't do that anymore, right? You, you're going to get an invitation to get stomped on. So that's what the sport is now. I'm also looking at this going, what does this mean for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 now that we know that Oregon and Washington got those invitations and we expect, uh, expect them to be accepted? I think the Big 12 is already the best basketball conference, basketball league, this side of the NBA, right, in men's basketball. Now you're looking at adding Arizona, and we know the tradition that the Wildcats have in the sport. Arizona State has been decent of the last few years, gave us James Harden, among others. I mean, I keep going down the line here on the basketball part. But what's more interesting to me is you get to play survive in advance, right? And that's what the sport is about. That's what realignment is about, surviving. We've seen the whack go by the wayside. We did not think that we would see the Pac-12 go by the wayside before we saw the Big 12 go by the wayside because people were talking about the Big 12 the way we're talking about the Pac-12 two years ago when Oklahoma and Texas shocked everybody with deciding to up and leave for the SEC. This is also a year after we're talking about the Pac-12 being able to add schools like perhaps Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas. But there was no real movement on that. And now you don't really have anybody that can just insert into the Pac-12 into what was once the Conference of Champions, right? San Diego State shot itself in the foot. We know about this. They were trying to leave early. They couldn't without owing some money to the Mountain West. Turns out that fee was about $34 million and they ain't got $34 million to pay. So they're going to be there for a couple of years. That's basically true. For every other program or school that you would want to add to the Pac-12, they're tied into their grant of rights. That is, within the conference, what you get paid for being a part of this conference and associated with several television networks, right? You get your payout. The other schools that you might want to add have no reason to leave, right? It's not as if, for instance, Ohio State is going to be looking at the Pac-12 going, well, I guess we should go over there now that there ain't nobody there. That's not how this works. Florida State's making loud noises, but Florida State's been making loud noises for the better part of two years. Can't get out of its grant of rights contract. Though there's some moving and shaking in the Florida legislature on that, and I'm very fascinated to see where that goes. But for now, this feels like the end of realignment for the foreseeable future, precisely because the television rights are up and there was no new, new deal put in place. That's how we got here. We didn't get here for football reasons. We got here for financial ones. And in a sport where the head coaches can leave anytime they want, Saw Lance Leipold take a job in May in 2021 to be the head coach of Kansas. Real out of the cycle, right? Where we see turnover in the sport at a rate that we've never seen it before, not just because the college football coaches are turning, but because the college football players are with this little thing called the transfer portal. There's new money coming into the sport in the form of name, image, and likeness, right? We've seen rights balloon and go up for television. The only people that are actually tied to their contracts are the networks, to the universities and the universities, to the networks via this thing called a conference. And that's why these deals go on for as long as they do to try to promote some stability. And if you don't know what you're going to make in 2024, you cannot budget for what you're going to make in 2024. And that's how businesses work. You take a look at what are our future earnings? What are we going to future spend? If you don't know those numbers, you can't run the business. And the business in this country is higher education. Now, we also got here because nobody expected college football to be big business. Barry Switzer's winning national championships for six-figure salaries in the 70s and, and early 80s. And then we get the introduction of, you know, people play, uh, watching this sport in millions, and that made more money. And the money got spread around. 
And now we're at an age where we're getting closer and closer to players getting paid to play, if not already getting paid to play on the thing called name, image, and likeness, right? So there's lots of money in the sport and people want some. Now we're getting to where there's a lid on how many people can get paid here, okay? Which is why we've been talking about the consolidation of the sport and also why we've been talking about creating a whole other division where our biggest brand schools, our most moneyed schools play against each other in their own league, something like a college football premier league. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself on that, but this is where the sport is going and I think that that's why you come to the show, not just to talk about what happened, but why it happened and what it means for the future. So unless the Pac-12 has some sort of maneuver that we haven't seen and nobody has reported, it feels like we are looking at slowly watching the Pac-12 go by the wayside. And I don't want that. I want to be clear about that. I love the Pac-12. I love the Big 12. I love the Big 10. I love the SEC. I love the ACC. I love the Sun Belt. I love the Southland. I love the American. I love all of the conferences because I love watching college football. And I love that we have 131 teams in this thing called the FBS. And we got 100 more in this thing called the FCS. I love that the players get an opportunity to earn an education, but also earn some money doing this thing that they've been doing for most of their lives. I love that football coaches get an opportunity to not just share their knowledge of football, but get to share their knowledge about life to help our kids, mostly our sons, learn how to be better men while also making a buck. But that's how we got here. And that's what the sport's always going to be. Now, surviving, that's something else entirely because the system is not built necessarily for everybody to have something. It's capitalism, it's not communism, socialism, right? So if you are not kicking in, you're probably going to get kicked out. And that doesn't mean that a conference is going to be going to kick out schools far from it. It means that you're either going to have the money to play or you're not. So you're used to seeing small schools have to fold their football program. What if that's your school now? That's where we're headed. That's what you need to keep your head on a swivel for. And that's why you're seeing universities change conferences. They want to make sure that they keep making money and their primary marketing institution, or excuse me, their engine is the football program. Last thing I'm going to say on this particular topic, we have data to show, research studies to show, ACT and SAT admission scores go up at universities as the football team wins more games. The University of Alabama is academically excellent in large part because Nick Saban is excellent. Both of those things happen together. One is causing the other. It is not a thing you get to shirk. It is not a thing you get to say doesn't matter. I say this to people that don't watch enough football, and you're clearly one of those, but I'm saying it so that you can tell them. The top 80 of the 100 shows in this country every single year are NFL football games. That means the worst viewed NFL game is better viewed than the best scripted show. That's what we care about in this country. That's where kids want to go to school. They want to go to a winner. They want to bring their winning scores to a winner, and they want to bring their parents' money to that winner, those scholarships to that winner. So please don't make this just about football. It's a big part about football. It really is. This is a football show. But I would be stupid not to tell you that this is going to have far-reaching implications right down to the economics of who's in school and why. Keep that at the forefront of your mind as you talk about what it means for Oregon and Washington to accept an invitation to join the Big Ten, and possibly what happens if Arizona, Utah, Arizona State join Colorado in joining the Big 12 
in 2024. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of our emergency episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Karaji, who's been very cool about me not using her married name for the last couple of years because it's just my bad. I apologize to her. I'm apologizing to you. Our lead of screening is Jack Coakley, Antoine Westfall. Our production assistant is Kara Santana. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next Wednesday. Deuces.